This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. The Wall Street Journal had an article about uh, four years ago talking about what they call the Paris effect. And the Paris effect was an actual psychological effect that happened when people, tourists, would come to Paris and, they, and be so disappointed that it caused fear, insomnia, depression, and oppression. So what in the world happened? Well, these people would come, often the tourists came from Japan and China, and they came just expecting for Paris because they'd seen the movies. They'd seen the media hype. They expected the Parisians to be this friendly European capital with slim, attractive people wearing fashion clothes, drinking lattes, and smelling like Chanel. And what they found was Paris is like any other city. There's nice spots, and then there's, there's spots that are not so pretty. And they found such a, 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 a contrast there, and their expectations were so high, and they were so disappointed, that it actually caused a psychological response. And what we find is that when expectations are high and reality is low, that right in that area is where people get hurt. And right in that area is, is what causes pressure. We're doing a series called It's Complicated. And we're talking about relationships, not just marriage. We're talking about relationships because we're all involved in relationships. And so the idea is how do we negotiate these? And one of the things we always have to work with is the idea that there's always pressure in relationships. Joy and I always laugh at the idea of the bachelor and the bachelorette. Now, I know some of you probably love that, but I'll be honest with you, that is so not a reality show. <laughs> I mean, it's a no, it's not a reality show. Whose reality is that they step out and there's 20 gorgeous people just dying to meet you and wanting to marry you, and nobody works. Does anybody work in these things? <laughs> They narrow it down, and then there's like they're, they're, they're on this exotic island, and I can't decide between them. It's like, come on. <laughs> but, but there's no, actually, I think we all watch it just because it's fun to watch people who are more messed up than us. And we're like, ah, oh, man, these people are jacked up. It puts pressure on them. In all relationships, there, there's external, what I call external pressures, pressures that we really cannot control. For example, if somebody gets sick, that puts pressure on a relationship. If there's a, a layoff or maybe the business shuts down, there's a financial problem. If there's a, a, an accident or a, a disaster or something that happens that you can't control, those put pressure on relationships. But then there are pressure that I call internal and that we are able to control or at least able to manage it. One is if you have uh, in relationships, you're going in two different directions. For example, when I was in Bible school, my best friend in Bible school, he was, he was about five years older than me, very sophisticated, uh, very smart, just this really <laughs> smooth, neat guy. And uh, I just looked up to him so much. But as the year progressed, I realized he was very possessive. And when he came down to graduating, he had this whole plan worked out where he and I were going to do ministry together and we were going to be just like joined together. And I remember after he laid this out, we were walking around this lake. He laid this out and I, he looked at me and said, what do you think? And I said, I don't see it that way. I don't, I don't believe that that's the direction that the Lord would have me go. And because he was going one, I was going in other different goals, different vision. It, put, it strained the relationship. 
There's a relationship that's strained. Obviously, we know if there's arguing and strife and, and difficult communication, that can strain a relationship. But the one I want to talk about today in particular and what makes relationships so complicated is unrealistic or unmet expectations. When, they're, when the expectations are here and reality is here, in the between is where problems exist. Now, there was a lady, California. She was walking on the California coast. It was kind of a foggy morning. She was just lost in her own thoughts. She just had a lot on her mind. And as she walked, she, she stumbled over something. And when she looked down at it, she, it, it looked like an, an, a lamp. And so she picked it up. And because it looked tarnished, she, she rubbed it. And when she rubbed it, a genie came out. This is a joke. You know that, don't you? Okay. <laughs> Jeannie said, I, thank you for letting me out. I've been there for 200 years. You know how this works. You get a wish. What is it? She said, you know, Jeannie, she said, I've always wanted to go to Hawaii. I am so deathly afraid of flying. So if you could just build a highway from here in California, if you could just build a highway from here to Hawaii, that would be so wonderful. I'd get to go to Hawaii. Jeannie stepped back and said, whoa, whoa, lady, come on now. A highway to Hawaii. Seriously? Could you come up with something a little bit more realistic? How about like $5 million or some Ferraris or a new house somewhere? But that's, that's crazy. Can you come up with, a, with another wish? She thought for a moment. She said, you know, Jeannie, I really don't wish for much. She said, but I just really would like for my family to appreciate all that I do for them. I work for them and I do so much for them and I keep the household going and no one ever says thank you. I'd just like my family to say thank you and not only to say thank you, I would like for them to take some initiative and actually do some of the household chores without me having to nag everybody. That's my wish, Jeannie. Jeannie was quiet for a moment. He looked up and he said, you want that highway with two lanes or four lanes <laughs> to whore? Unmet, unrealistic expectations. They become a part of, of life and we laugh at them, but if you've ever maybe been a part of a family where the parents expected you to follow in their footsteps, or maybe they expected, you know, sometimes when, when, when parents are athletes, they expect the, the children to be the same way, or maybe you hear parents expect, why can't you be more like your brother, or more like your sister? We raised three children, they're all grown, and I can tell you, very honestly, we, we had to look at all three of them. They all had different skills, different talents, different abilities. And we had to create different expectations for all of them in terms of performance, in terms of attitude and behavior, we expected the same. But it, when expectations get blown out of proportion, and maybe some of you have been subject to that, it can create difficulties inside a relationship. And it makes it tough. And you know, actually, sometimes you can actually get upset at the Lord, your expectations of God. You say, well, Alan, I thought you were supposed to expect big things from God. We are supposed to expect big things from God, but we get in trouble when we start telling them how he's going to do it and how it's going to get done. For a number of years, I never thought I would be a pastor. For a number of years, I thought I was going to be a traveling preacher and I was going to travel all around and speak in churches. But I started noticing after a number of years that no one ever asked me to speak which is a problem if you want to be a traveling preacher. So I, I, really begin to, I really begin to pray about that. And so I finally bought into the idea that I was going to be a pastor. So I told the Lord, I said, okay, I'll be a pastor. But since I failed at my first church, here's what I'd like, Lord. I would like for a church that's already existing, has about 300 people, already has a building, that can pay a salary. I, I, I had all this list of what I expected from the Lord. And then I got frustrated because for a couple of years, none of those expectations actually came to pass. 
until finally I begin to say, Lord, look, whatever you want and however you want to do it. And, and he just put it on my heart to start the ark in Conroe. I didn't want to do it. But when I asked him, I got his idea. You know, that's, a, that's one of the secrets to a relationship. A relationship with God is that we learn to wait for him. David knew this. Look what he said here in the Psalms. My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He's my defense. I shall not be moved. So here's the big thought this morning. The big thought is the more we learn to look to the Lord and lean on the Lord, the less pressure we put on people around us and the less expectation. And so we begin to dial it down. David said, you know what? He said, people can help me, but Lord, I'm looking to you. And if you read through the Psalms, you'll see that where David talks about that a lot. He said, it's better to trust God than, than to put trust in powerful people. He didn't say you couldn't trust powerful people. He said, it's just better to trust God. Let me give you a story this morning from the Bible that talks about expectations. And this is, this is an area where all of us live. In fact, I call this story, two wives, one husband, and a whole lot of hurt. We talked about Joseph a few weeks ago, how Joseph was the son of a man named Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. And Jacob had a very unique family situation. He married two sisters. Now, back at that time, they could have multiple wives, and I don't know how that worked, but they did. And Jacob met a man named Laban, and he, and he met Laban's daughters. And Laban had a daughter named Rachel who was a looker. The Bible said she was a looker. They didn't use those words, but they said she was beautiful in form and appearance. That means she was the whole package. And Jacob sees her, and he's like... I'm in. This is great. So Jacob agreed to work for Laban, and in turn, Laban would give him his daughter, Rachel. Package deal. Sounds good. So the night that they got married, Laban pulls a switch on him and actually sends Leah in. You're thinking, how in the world can you know that you, got the, that you didn't get the right person? Well, I'm thinking, I, I know at that time, the women often wore veils, and I know it was really dark in the tent, and there was probably a whole lot of wine at the reception. And so when Jacob wakes up in the morning, he's looking at Leah. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us that Leah's good looking. It tells us she has weak eyes. I have no idea what that means, but she, I don't know if she, was, if she couldn't see, if she was nearsighted or what. But it doesn't say she was good looking. It says her sister was good looking. Here was the challenge. Jacob really loved Rachel. He did not love Leah. That made it tough. Let's look what happens here. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. So Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, the Lord has surely looked on my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. Then she conceived again and bore a son and said, because the Lord has heard I am unloved, he's therefore given me this son also. She called his name Simeon. She conceived again and bore a son and said, now this time, my husband will become attached to me because I've borne him three sons. Therefore, his name was called Levi. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, now I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah and she stopped bearing. Now, when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said to Jacob, give me children or else I die. And Jacob's anger was aroused against Rachel. He said, am I in the place of God who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? Two wives, one husband, and a whole lot of hurt. Do you imagine how it felt for Leah night after night? The way that they would do it then, the, 
the husband Jacob would have a tent, Leah would have a tent, Rachel would have a tent. And night after night, Leah gets to walk, Jacob walk past her tent to Rachel's. The Bible, she knew she was unloved. And the Bible said it was her affliction. I, I realize that that's, that's probably one of the most difficult things. They've, psychologists have said that rejection is actually physically painful to people. And it sends off the same messages in our brain that actually being hit would. It's a painful thing. And to be unloved is such a painful thing. And some, some of us have often experienced that, or maybe you've experienced it now, and maybe you've watched people walk past your tent for a long time. The good news is, and I love this little phrase, and God saw that Leah was unloved. Aren't you glad God saw it and that God helped her? And if God saw Leah, then God can see you and he can help you. Leah called it her affliction, but she had an unrealistic expectation that if she had children, that it would cause Jacob to love her. So she's thinking, okay, I had a son. Now he'll love me. Now I had another son. Now you, you realize at that time, having sons was like prize thing. But she kept having these children and she kept thinking, now he's going to love me. Now he's going to be attached to me now. And what we're dealing with is another unrealistic expectation. And it's this. And this is tough. But it's so true. You can't make someone love you. Over the years, I've, I've talked with people. And I've, I've encouraged people. Don't beg. Don't beg. Don't beg. My pastor used to say that. Don't beg. His daughter got left by a man. And Pastor Osteen told his daughter, Lisa, don't beg. But you can't make somebody love you. It would be great, but... She couldn't do it. And all those children was not making Jacob love her. So she, had, she was unloved and unrealistic. Rachel was loved, but still unrealistic. Rachel got envious of her sister. Now, if you read the story, the whole story about Rachel, Rachel sounds like a diva. I, just look straight ahead. Don't be looking at people around you. She... She sounds like a diva. If you read the story, it sounds like she kind of ran the she kind of ran the show, and she's the pretty girl, and she gets all the attention, and she's running the show. And it says she was envious of her sister. You know what's interesting? The Bible never says that Leah was envious of Rachel, even though Rachel was the one that was loved. And so she she comes to Jacob. She can't have kids. She comes to Jacob and she goes, "Give me children, or I'm going to die." And it made Jacob mad. Why? Because. Rachel just asked him to do something that only God could do. He obviously could have children. He had four at this time with Leah. And it made him angry. He's like, I'm not God. And she asked him to do something that only God could do. And boy, whenever you start doing that, you hit, you talk about unmet expectations. That's an expectation here that you'll never be able to meet. But you know, the beautiful thing about this story is that Leah must have finally come to a good place. Because the fourth child she named Judah. Judah means praise. And so finally with, with Leah, she comes to a place where she said, you know what, I'm not going to expect Jacob to love me. I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not bitter. She wasn't bitter. She said, now I'm going to praise the Lord. Now she says, I'm going to praise God. God's given me these, these four sons and now I'm going to praise him. And she just, she simply begins to say, you know what? My expectations aren't in Jacob anymore. God, I'm looking to you. I am going to praise you. I think some of us need to have a few Judas because people have let us down, but we need to say, God, you will never let us down. You're the one who is faithful to us. And, and what's very interesting is that Judah is the tribe 
through which we have David and we have Jesus. Judah, praise. Oh, and here's the, here's the good news for, for those of you who think, well, that's, not, that's not right about Rachel. You know, Rachel died early. I'm sure that just broke Leah's heart. Oh. She died early. And uh, Rachel, I mean, uh, Rachel died early. Leah stuck around. And when Jacob was buried, he was buried not beside Rachel. He was buried beside Leah. So in the end, that relationship was something that evidently she became so valuable to him. So that can happen. The Lord's good. So how about you? How about, how about us? How do we recalibrate expectations? Because expectations, when they're, when they're off in our relationships, can really create some challenges. So here's the first one. You have to really examine your, your expectations to say, are they realistic or am I asking someone to do what only God can do in my life? When Joy and I got married, among the many things that disappointed her was this one. Was the idea that when she, she thought that when we got married, that when we went to sleep, I would hold her in my arms and that we would sleep together. Just me holding her until she fell asleep. No. <laughs> With me, when it's time to sleep, that's your side of the bed, and this is my side of the bed, and I don't want your hand on me, and I don't want your foot on me, and don't put your leg over me, and just don't touch me. I just, I just need to sleep. And it, it, it so disappointed Joy, because her expectations were, were, were high. But what, but what really was the issue was that Joy had suffered all her life from paralyzing fear. She used to sleep with all the lights on. She used to sleep with the Bible in the bed. For the first 25 years we were married, we only had a full-size bed. I told her, I said, honey, that Bible's got to go. We don't have no room here for the, for, the, for the Bible. But she was so afraid, and what she was really asking, it wasn't that I would hold her. She was thinking, when I get married, then Alan is going to make me so that I'm never afraid again. But you know what? She was asking me to do something that only God could do. And then that's how you get disappointed. And so we have to ask ourselves, where do my expectations come from? What's, what's driving expectations? A lot of them come from how we were raised. Maybe you were raised in a home where mama did everything. And then you, then you find someone, you marry someone, and their mama did nothing. And you're going to have some problems in there. I, I'm just, I can tell you. Because and here, here's what we found was one of my challenges. My challenge is, if it, can't, if it comes easy to me, I, I tend to think I expect everyone else could do. And ever, ever notice that the, the really super athletes, the Michael Jordans, are not good coaches? Larry Bird's not good coaches? They're so gifted and talented, they expect everyone to do it. They're not good coaches. And so oftentimes, if it's a strong area for you, I would look at Joyce sometimes. I would just go, just, just handle it. Just deal with it. Just stop all the fluff. And she would look at me and go, I am a girl. You married a girl, which is preferable. You married a girl, and, and I do things differently from you. I laugh when we go. I don't even go to, to, with George to the grocery store at all because it's like she would, thank God they now have online grocery shopping. This is so good because when I would go with Joy, it's like she wore a T-shirt that said, here I am. I have all day. Tell me your life story. I mean, they enjoy this one grocery store that Joy goes to. 
Everyone loves her. They're, they're opening up lines. Joy, Joy, come in my line. I'm just kind of tagging along. And the conversations go on and on and on. And, and Joy has no breakaway skills. I'm like, you develop some breakaway skills. And she, and she would look back at me and go, you have breakaway skills because you're rude. I am a girl. And this is... But we, we had to work through these expectations. Here's, so you got to recalibrate. Where are you on the expectations? Are they realistic? Here's the, here's the second one. You have to learn to clearly communicate expectations. Now, I'm going to tell you something. This is where it gets, it gets real hairy right here. It's communicating clearly and communicating in love expectations. Look what it says in, in 1 Corinthians. I like this. If the bugler doesn't sound a clearer call, how will the soldiers know they're being called to battle? So in other words, if you don't make it clear, how's someone going to know? They used to, they used to blow horns and that would tell the troops. They didn't have radios, so they would blow a horn. Oh, that's our sound. We're, we're supposed to advance. But if they blow a muddled sound, you can't tell what's going on. And so expectations have to be clear. Joy and I used to, used to work with the singles at Lakewood. And we had the singles. I was 25, 26 years old. We were leading the singles. All of the singles were 35 and up. There was a lot of relationships and things going on. Obviously, singles group, people are meeting, people are dating and all these friendships and relationships. So one, one Friday night, I got up and preached on don't build air castles. I said, you know what you need to do? You need to find out where your relationships are going. You need to find out, is this friends? Is this, and man, I preached that one message and my phone blew up all week. People breaking up. I can't believe you preached that and we're not together anymore and I can't believe that you did that to me. I'm like, listen, listen. I said, if he thinks that you're only a friend and you think you're going to get married, you better clarify expectations here or you can waste years with somebody that's never going to marry you. Yeah, that made big friends then too, just like I just made friends in here this morning. <laughs> but if you clarify them, it'll help because when you're clear and you're honest, you're not trying to hurt somebody, you're just clear on this. When we, you know, people bring expectations into church. When we first started building uh, the church and started getting going, we were, we were around 600 people or so. There was a lot of grumbling because people would ask Joy and I to go out to dinner. And we said no to everybody. We just didn't do dinners. And, I, and people were just getting upset. We're not friendly. What's wrong with you and your social? So one day I had enough. And one Sunday I brought up my whole family. And I said, this is my wife, Joy. This is Matthew, he's 14. This is Christina, she's 11. This is little Michael, he's four. I said, now here's the deal. I said, I had them before I had you. I said, and I'm not going to have all these dinners with you and lose them in the process. Now, it went over as big then as it just did in here. <laughs> but you know what it did? It clear and here's what Joy and I had determined. If we had dinner with everybody, we could be doing dinners for the rest of our lives. That screen wouldn't be wide enough for me. It would, it, we could do dinners every night of the week. So I said, Joe, we, or, or, that's not going to be fair. We can't do dinners every night of the week. I said, and here's the deal. Here's the risk. I said, I'm willing. I'm willing to have people angry at me now and talk about me now than I am have them talk about me later when my preacher's kids go crazy and go wild. I said, so we're going to do everything we can to, to build a strong family. And by the grace of God and his mercy, all three of my children love God, serve God, and, and, and are in church. And so I'm very, very grateful for that. 
but we had to clarify it. And so since then, no one's asked us to dinner in 20 years. And we're, oh, that's okay. That's all. But as you clarify, you always run the risk of someone saying no. But then I'd rather know that than waste so much time and energy thinking this is, this is going to work differently. Clarifying expectations. Now, here's the last thing. This, this is the point I really want to hit on. The more we learn, and this is the process. Here at the ARC, we're not interested in perfection. We're interested in progress. As the more we learn to have a relationship with the Lord, the more we're able to lean on him. And the more we lean on him, the less we lean on other people. I'm not saying we don't need other people, but I'm saying other people, and we're people, we're going to let you down. But he would never will. Now, I want to show you just a passage, if you'll look with me just for a moment, that Paul shared. He said, Alexander the coppersmith, this is Paul talking to Timothy. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm, May the Lord repay him according to his works. You also must beware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. At my first offense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, so that the message might be preached fully through me and all the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul was always dealing with opposition. Alexander evidently was a coppersmith, maybe taking him to court, constantly opposing him and resisting him. And I like how Paul handled it. He said, Lord, you repay. The people who try to do you harm, the Bible said, don't take vengeance on yourself. Lord, you deal with them. You repay them. But then what he said next, I thought was interesting. He said, at my first defense, nobody stood with me. Everyone left him. And that's a horrible feeling. You're standing up and you're trying to defend the gospel and you're looking around for your friends and the people who've come with you and you can't find them. They all left. You know, that, I don't know about you, but that'd make me mad. My, I'd probably written to Timothy and said, everybody forsook me. I have taken them off the prayer list. You just, there's, a, a, there's a tendency to be angry, but I love what Paul said. He said, Lord, don't, don't, don't hold it against them. What's he saying is, Lord, forgive them. Listen, when, when you don't have huge expectations on people, it's easier to forgive them. And you go, okay, they're just people. But I love what the Lord said next. He said, but the Lord stood with me and helped me and delivered me, and he will deliver me. Listen, guys, here's the deal. People may not always do what you expect them to do. In fact, I can tell you that they won't. But I can tell you the one who's always faithful that the same Lord who delivered Paul will deliver you. And the same Lord who stood with Paul will stand with you. And the same Lord who strengthened Paul will strengthen you. And if you'll stay with him, he will deliver you from every evil work and get you out of these situations and preserve you for his heavenly kingdom. And he's the one we can always trust. He's the one that we can put our confidence in. One quick story and I'll quit. 17, 17 years ago, Joy and the children were given an all-expense-paid trip to Disney World. They did not invite me because they know how I am with crowds and heat. They'd better for leave me at home. So they went to Disney World. They're having a great time. Joy, now this is something, something we've already talked about. Joy's had a tendency in her life to be codependent. Codependent means that I'm, that I'm not happy unless the other person's happy. And Joy was codependent on me. If Alan's not happy, I'm not happy. If my kids aren't happy, I'm not happy. It's, it's so common. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty common trait. And we had 20 years, our marriage had gotten better. 
But Joy was still codependent. And I called and I was down because we were going through some problems here at the church. And I called her and I'm down. And she got the phone call. And when she finished the phone call, she said she hung up. And she looked at the children. She said, I've got a decision I have to make here. I can ruin Disney World for them. She said, or I can just, I can make a decision. She said, she's Alan, she said, I can tell you where I was standing. When she made a decision, she said, you know what, Lord, whether Alan is okay or not, I've got to be okay with you. And if I'm okay with you, I can handle this. I'm not saying that Joy stopped caring about me. What I am saying is she stopped putting her happiness in my hands. Does that make sense? She stopped putting her happiness in my hands. And what it helped me do was stop putting, stop leaning on her so much that when I was going through a hard time that I would take it out on her. She started looking to the Lord. I started looking to the Lord. Is our, is our relationship perfect? No. But boy, it has gotten a lot stronger. Because when we lean on him, we don't put so much pressure on others. And that makes that relationship with normal expectations it makes them so much better. Do I still expect things from Joy? Sure. I expect faithfulness and loyalty and support. Yes. Does she expect that from me? Yes. But they're not unrealistic. No longer am I the source of her happiness. God is. And when that begins to happen in your life, I'm telling you, it smooths out a lot of complicated relationships. Would you bow your head with me just for a moment? If you'll just give me just a couple of minutes before we get out of here. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you, I need to ask a question. Did you, did you come in here this morning and you say, Alan, I don't know where I stand with the Lord. I don't, I don't know where I stand with my relationship with him. Or are you, are you here this morning and you're saying, I used to have a good relationship with the Lord, but I got away from him. Well, if either one of those situations is true, applying to you, man, I got good news. We're gonna pray a prayer. And it's a simple prayer, but it's a powerful prayer. It's a prayer that will connect you with him or it's a prayer that will reconnect you with him. And he's the one you want most. Because that relationship is one that lasts for eternity and can do such a benefit for you down here. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one's looking. If you're here and you say, Alan, I want that relationship with the Lord or I want to reconnect, I want to come back to him, would you pray for me? I'm not going to have you stand up. I'm not going to have you come to the front. But if that's your prayer, would you slip your hand up real quickly and say, Alan, that's me. Would you pray for me? Thank you. Thank you. Hands have gone up all over. Way in the back, yes, down here in the front. Anybody else? Just say, Alan, would you pray for me? I want to have that relationship or I want to reconnect with him. Thank you for your courage. That's not easy to do. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. Now, maybe you didn't lift your hand. You wanted to. Something did, maybe fear or something just held you back. Listen, you can pray this prayer with us. We're going to pray right out of our heart. God hears this prayer. But we're going to pray it together as, as a church family. Pray this out loud. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed still just for a moment. Father, thank you for every one of those that lifted their hands, even for those that didn't, but prayed that prayer from their heart. Thank you, Father.
for a new life with you, a new start with you, a restart with you, and a reconnect. Thank you for the wonderful plans that you have for them. We rejoice with them and for all of us, Father. All of us have relationships. Some are really good, some are not. But we ask for your wisdom, we ask for your help, and we know that you are the God who will stand with us and strengthen us and deliver us and stand by us even when it doesn't appear that anyone else is. Thank you that we can count on you. We give you all the praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.